Today's we have today we have a very exciting episode of Fanatsu for everyone out there. And first of all, this is the last Fanatsu episode for this year, uh, 2018. And man, it's ending, <coughs> 2018 is is not ending in a great way for a lot of people. And we're going to be talking about that here today. I want to thank everyone who signed up as a patron during 2018, and we hope to get more of you to sign up to support independent media in 2019. And so um, remember, if you know what Patreon is, go there now. If you support media like this, if you want to hear more about the stories that others aren't talking about, want to more, know more about decolonization, culture, rights, all sorts of stuff like that, Fanatsu is a great place where you can hear about it. Go to Patreon, sign up as either a, a Hatsa, a Hugwa, or a Tulu member, and you get access to great discussions such as this. And so I'm your host today, Michael Luhan Bavakwa. Manny Cruz is lost somewhere in the snowy wilds of Japan. I'm sure he's watching on his phone right now over Facebook Live. All right, so today we're going to be talking about cockfighting. And so um, if you are not familiar with this issue, it is something which has come up recently because of a federal ban on cockfighting in the territories. One year from now, cockfighting is supposed to be banned in all the territories. and. Cockfighting has a long tradition here in the Chamorro culture, but also for other cultures that call Guam home. It's, it's also considered to be part of some of their cultures as well. And so we are fortunate by surprise, because usually Fanatsu is filmed in, in this tiny room here, and it's me and like Manny and like two or three other people in the room. We have a lot of people in the room here right now. And it's very surprising, but it is sort of a, it is, it, it does exemplify how rooted this issue is in the community and how unjust and unfair it is that the federal government buried in a long ass bill is just gonna put in something there to take rights and to take culture away from the territories. And so I'm glad that we have a lot of people here in the room to show support on this issue today and to share their thoughts. Um, and to those of you that are watching, even if you may not personally be in favor of cockfighting, you always have to remember that this is an issue not about the cockfighting itself necessarily, but it is an issue of colonialism. It is an issue of our political status. If they were to take away cockfighting today without even really thinking about it, you got to remember that this was not a bill that was passed through Congress that said ban cockfighting in Guam, or not even a bill that said ban cockfighting in the territories. It was part of a huge bill that had nothing to do with Guam that had nothing to do with anything and it was just thrown in there as an afterthought. 
And so something which is so important for some families and some businessmen and, and some cultures here on Guam, the federal government thinks they can get rid of just by putting a couple sentences into a long ass bill. Makes me feel very patriotic at the end of 2018 based on Yamsu. I'll tell you that. But that's what we are here to discuss today. And so uh, I have two volunteers who would like to, who are willing to, to talk about this issue. Uh, Senor, do, would you like to introduce yourself? Senor? Uh, Frank Tayanyang uh, from Pneumatic, born and raised, 44 years. I've uh, been cockfighting since, or raising chickens since I was 10 years old, and Sorry. been doing it till now. A uh, little bit more uh, professional now, how we do it. Uh, before it was just a little thing in the backyard and then it led to where we're at today and why uh, we're here today to try and support, to continue to do what we've been doing for years, many years before I even started. My father, my grandfather, they, they were all doing it, uh, whether it was uh, small kind backyard or more to the moving up to the the main pits into mooning before agate pits. I wasn't uh, able to go cockfight in those days because it dated back that far, which is the pit in agate is no longer operational. To mooning on to mooning spit also, <coughs> it's not operational just due to uh, maintenance and all that stuff. So now it's being held in a dead end area where it's operational seven days a week, pretty much. Um, yeah, and I'm here to uh, support uh, everybody that uh, that does this, which is a really, really big thing in our island, our part of the Marianas Island. So, uh, yes, My name is Vince Huggin. Uh, I've been raising roosters here in Guam and in Northern California in the 70s and 80s and brought back here. And I truly believe raising game fowl is a family event, also it's cultural. As many of our families, we grow together in raising fowls. There's no illegal activity going on whatsoever. Why should I listen to a person back in the mainland that doesn't live here and pay taxes when I pay taxes here and I invest in the locals here and everything else and those farmers back there? Now, si Dus Masi, Hago Lokwisino, who agradecinaina, Gaga Guinea, Parata Discutiasti. And so, for those of you that are also here, sort of in the room, if you have any questions or want to join the discussion, just have to speak loud enough so that the mics can pick you up. All right. And so, um, let me ask either of you. So, um, when you first heard that, the, the, that cockfighting on, in the territories may be banned, what did you feel? What did you feel, sort of, uh, what was your first response? I mean, especially considering that Guam, we, we don't get to vote for president. Our congresswoman, our new congress, congressman doesn't get to vote in Congress. And so what were your thoughts? What were your feelings? Okay. For me, the first, my first thought was, man, we got to go to travel to the Philippines every month. But that's like going to be really expensive. So we got to fight for it here before we go anywhere else. Uh, it just flashed back to... Like I said, since I was 10 years old, we're, we're just gonna stop upright, do what we do, and just where where are we, which uh, I believe there's, I would say more than 6,000 people that uh, that actually take place in this uh, cockfighting uh, 
cultural, however you want to call it, events. And if you're going to just take that away one time from everybody, what is the other, my question is, what is the other outsource that we have to outlet when we're, when we're done with our daily jobs, our lives, our work, and that's what we rely on to go back and, I'm not saying uh, feel, get pleasure of it, but just to outsource and relax. It's a relaxing thing for us. Like he said, it's a family thing. I, my daughters, I got two daughters, so there's no way they're going to cockfight or fight chickens, but they do feed my chickens on a daily basis. They water my chickens. They help me maintain them. My wife will feel it if I'm not coming home from work. <laughs> and then back to that, um, as a child, 10 years old, it always brought me back. I, there's a little article in the PDN or the post where um, one of the uh, the reporters wrote that, <clears throat> why did I do it? <clears throat> well, as a kid, going home and raising chickens, my dad always told me, if you're not going to feed the chickens, then you got no business raising it. So it taught me to come home every day at 5.30 before the sun goes down. Every day since I was 10 years old till today, I come home to make sure my chicken gets fed, make sure they're, they're properly fed, they have water, they have food, you know, they're, they're alive and they're well taken care of. So it gave me that sense of responsibility to come home. So it kept me out of trouble a lot because I enjoyed it. I made sure I come home. I come home at 5.30 because that's when the chickens eat. The family eat dinner at 5.30, 6 o'clock. So it always brought me home to the family. And I always taught my kids that if I'm not home, now it becomes their responsibility to make sure they're out there to feed it because I work for Department of Corrections and we don't know when we're coming home. Sometimes we're held back. So there's always a backup plan. There's somebody, somebody needs to come home. So it brings you back, it brings you back home. Then when they, when that band came out, all I can think about is like, what are we going to do in Guam when we, when we stop that? Next thing you know, they're going to stop the bingo. Where the old people is going to go? I mean, if, if we're not allowed to do anything in our island, so um, we have bigger problems in our island than, than chickens fighting. We have, we have homeless people, we have, we have a drug problem, we have, we have a, a lot of violence going on. You read the papers on a daily basis, there's something going on. We need to focus our, our, our problems on the real problems on Guam, not just because the federal says this and that, and then it's gonna lead and create bigger problems because why there's no outlet to go do anything pretty soon we're going to be like walking on eggshell oh you can't do that oh we can't do this mm. because somebody's uh you know pension pushing in the other side of the world <laughs> has nothing to do with what we do so i believe crimes are going to go up uh people are going to take it underground then it's going to be illegal the prison's going to be overcrowded because we're arresting people for raising chickens or sparring your chickens in their backyard or on a fiesta you know you want to show your your family angle let's let's just make the chicken spar you know just for entertainment or what we do so when we have to do something that's been legal for our entire lives if we're going to have to do it now because it's illegal then everything's going to go up we're going to you know it's going to lead to people getting arrested for misdemeanor and then right now our our, our prison is filled and they're not filled with with uh, cockfighters, and once that ban starts, we're gonna be looking at like weekend weekend warriors and all these other people coming to jail because all of a sudden you can't cockfight, you can't spar your chicken in your backyard, you can't, you know, your your kids cannot go out there and play with them, and 
your two sons or you can't you can't play with something else you can't play with the chicken so it pretty much it's it's gonna hurt entirely our everybody the feed stores the 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 people who breed to sell their chickens you know some people make it a livelihood culture however you want to call it but it is a big impact in our community and i wish that everybody that owns a chicken would have been here today to support it but this is the first so hopefully in a week or two when we get more people uh, there's more people that probably have more knowledge of, of it like the the older gentleman's in here that that's been doing it for 50 years you know i've been doing it for like 30 50 60 years there's there we have men at the cockfight and that sparse chicken that are like 70 years old and they're still doing it and i believe they've been doing it for over 70 years so we're just gonna go upright and say no more it's gonna be a, a pretty mm -hmm. uh rough day in in guam now oh, he made a lot of a lot of good points there and for can those I, can i uh, say something uh, can the I mic think, reach will the mic can, uh, <laughs> can you you want to introduce I, yourself I think, mr chuckle my name is edward chuckle i think i'm the oldest person here i hate to say it but you get old sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh i've been doing this my dad started this he was born in 1922 he was a cut fighter. I followed in his footsteps, but but not all of the kids really followed their father's footsteps, except you know the the kids that love love the sport. Okay, and some of my kids don't don't go cut fights, but they they respect what I believe in. And the most important, I think, the best approach to this is to get with our legislature, our congressman, and our governor to to back us up on this. I mean, we voted for them. I think they're the best voice in this to make them believe in us because we don't even know whether they're into this with us. So we gotta find this out first. Are we gonna be supported by our Congress, I mean, our legislature, our congressmen and our government? That's a very important factor because they're supposed to represent us in what we believe here in Aina. Okay, and, and to me, I just found out about this today. There, I'm pretty sure there's gonna be more people coming this if we organize it, you know, and, and, and spread this news. Mm -hmm. But you need time for people to, you know, to come and support this. But I think the first approach really is to approach the legislature, the government and company. We don't even know where they're standing this. I know the governor is supporting this. I haven't heard any from the congressman whether he does. I haven't heard. There's some legislature that are saying they're supporting it. But we've got to find out because if we don't have their support, you know, our, our arms are tied. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this is a very important issue as far as I'm concerned. You know, just like our culture, our cultures die out because we, we ourselves are to blame. Yep. We do not enforce this at home. I tell you, when I was young, we speak nothing but Zamoro in our house. Okay? Some of my kids don't understand Zamoro because it's my fault. I should have done more for them to, you know, fall into this culture. It's just like cut fighting. It's dying because, you know, we're not spreading this culture the way we're supposed to. I definitely think that uh, you're right that sort of uh, getting the, our elected leaders involved
is is key and necessary. And so um, I, I think uh, the governor-elect, Lulian Gramagahake elect has said that she will work to try to reverse it. She's she said that she is not necessarily in favor of it, but you know, you would hope for a stronger position than that. I mean, if I was if I was in her position, then I would sue the federal government. You know, it's because if you're this is this is part of the thing is that if you're a territory, you know, you don't have a vote in Congress, you don't get to vote for president, and so one of the few ways that you can try to protect yourself is through the courts. And so suing the federal government may need to be a way that Guam approaches it. And so if you see Mike San Nicolas or if you see Lou Leon Guerrero or Josh Tenorio, encourage them to speak up on this issue because I think considering that this is such an important part of the culture for Chamorros and for Filipinos and for others on Guam, you would think that they would care more. And um, not only that, I mean, it's not only them, they should approach all the territories in Guam mm. Because if the territories support each other, I think we'll be stronger. That needs to be done, and that can only be done through our elected officials. <coughs> you know, for them to work together and find something, some strategy. Because I don't know how true this is, but if it's true that they're making it a felony one, and they're going to do forfeiture here when whoever runs the car fight, then to me that's unconstitutional. You cannot, you cannot have a law that applies to certain areas mm. only and it doesn't apply to other states. No, that's what we're looking for. I think, I think the best approach, if, if, if they can look into this law and check whether there's a loophole in which it could be beaten in court, I think that's the first, first approach. And we just need a good lawyer really to do that. They will go on. So. Well, going back to uh, going, going back to what uh, Mr. Choco was saying uh, about our elected leaders, I believe, not only believe, but uh, I got some videos, footage of uh, our elected leaders standing in the de in the in the cockpit at Deredu Dome, uh, voicing that their concern of. This is way before those the bill came out. You know, this is like right before election that not one, not two, but a few of our elected leaders came out there, stood in the ring, and made a very, very good promising speech that if they were elected, they would do everything in their power for us who are out there doing our sport national sport if you want to say to keep it going so um, you know everybody can say and, and speak and talk and that but we need action and now we are asking for for them <coughs> who we have voted for to sit in there and do do the job for the people you know, there it's, it is a very big, uh, uh, I would say, cock, cultural cockfighting community here in Guam. There's a lot of us. Uh, just come to the dome on a Saturday night, and you, that will speak for itself. You think a majority of them? Yeah. If we anybody start to say not guilty. So, did you want to share? Yes, I would like to. 
I think this is a very good start to see everyone here right now. It is a beginning, and we can collaborate and get our voices heard to these legislators. Go to each senator, each and one of them, where you're at, because we are family. Aren't you our family, too? Don't you want to take care of us? When I first heard this, that they're going to do this, a uh, few things came to my mind that my ways and means of my life for my family to go on is going to be hampered by these people that don't have that are making decisions, don't live here. And two, the economy for those that invest in the game file industry here, they're all going to be affected. And we're supporting each other in so many ways. We just got to get our numbers down and start presenting it mm. to these uh, board. I mean, I'm a single active custodial parent of three boys. I raise game file. And my, I put I support my kids through the game file by raising these birds. They're, they're not in jail. They're not doing anything like that. They're productive uh, students in their school and their society. And this is just a humble beginning, and they're going to take my humble beginnings away to try and raise my family rights. No, I don't think so. I want to go out and start being heard, start being with my brothers and sisters here. Let's get it done. Mm. And so one thing, I wanted to give you both the chance to address the issue, because I think for many people, they think about cockfighting as just sort of the, the blood sport, right? The sort of, and so what would you say to those people? Because I have a feeling that some of the politicians may be thinking that, that, this, is just a f that this is just a few people that care about this that it's not actually the majority of people. And so they don't have to be speak out on this issue. They don't have to do anything about it. And so what would you say to those people who think that this is just a blood sport? How would you try to make them understand sort of that it's much more than that? And so you've given some strong arguments, but imagine you're talking to somebody um, who, who thinks that the, the federal cockfighting ban is a good idea. How would you appeal to them and help them understand that uh, that it's not a good idea. I think I think they've been misled by some of these crazy animal rights groups. You know, animal rights groups paint a dark picture for those raising uh, game fowls. When actually, what happens when these animal rights obtain our beloved uh, pets? What happens after when they get? They don't have the facilities. Our 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 facilities are well better taken care of than what these animal rights people are doing to these birds. They just kill them right then and there. But us, we give them what three sixty five love. 24-7, what's going on? They're, they're, we just gotta show them a better picture on that and what these animal rights are, are, are proving all elsewhere, otherwise. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say something. I think... Senor, mind on what? Mind on what? No, no, sir. Guy, give me a mic. No, no, mic. But the mic, or here. I don't wanna be heard. Everybody. Yeah, sir. Oh, this is for us. <laughs> Everybody needs to be heard. Every voice counts. Okay. You know, if, if somebody can visit anybody's farm here, the chickens that we fight are taken care of. We feed them every day. We give them the best that they can get every day. The only time that they really suffer is when they're when they're up there in the pit, but they die. I mean, you know, it's faster them dying with a sharp knife than, you know, you choking the neck to cook them. And they're well fed, they're taken care of, I can say this. I mean, the one that, that, that if the main society is, is involved in this, they should concentrate on the straight dogs that are getting hungry out there on yep. the road. Mm. Because we care for the chicken. You know, I hate to say this, but, but we're, they're cared for because they make something for us. Like you said, it's a livelihood type of thing. Yes. 
So they should concentrate on those stray dogs and concentrate on all those that 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 they is really needed, not the chicken fights. I mean, you know, I hate to say this, but before we eat, when my dad's gonna fight, we have to turn the plate around so he can get lucky. But don't work all the time. <laughs> and thank you, thank you, gentlemen. Um, going back to uh, them saying it's a blood sport and we only do it for uh, for for uh, <clears throat> for pleasure, I had a, a, a sit down with one of the reporters and um, she was asking me. Besides the, uh, <clears throat> what do you think about the cruelty part about it, which is what the animal activists are really actually trying to hammer down on. It's not really about the. Uh, anything else besides the cruelty part of it. Well, my opinion to the cruelty part on it is, um, where, where do you define cruelty? I mean, they, they, they are born that way. You, you can't separate these chickens. They're, they're made to, they do what they do, just like how we do what we do. Um, it's a natural thing. And um, for the same reason why, uh, all, all these rich people around the world, I will say rich people because uh, I've never been to a horse race. I mean, um, you have to pat the horse. You have to kick him with spikes for them to jump. You got to train them to do, you got to, you know, and that, she was like, yeah, but they're saying that you guys fight chickens for pleasure. I'm pretty sure they're, they're running those horse to death for pleasure. You have all those people that, that, there, there's wages on those horses. I'm, I'm not talking about chicken wages. Those guys are like at the thousands and tens of thousands, probably million dollar bets, purses and stuff. And you know, what are they doing? What are, what are you animal activists doing about that? About horses? Horses were, were same as chicken, uh, as any animal. They run freely, but you cage them up. You put them in a cage, you train them, you give them steroids. What else you guys give them? Can't tell me they don't do that. So. The cruelty part is any animal that you force to put in a cage is cruelty. I mean, you have dogs, you chain them up. That's cruelty. Dogs are supposed to be, every animal is supposed to be run freely. Uh, and when do we actually put an animal's life at the equal of human's life? Um, I find that kind of compare. totally uh, upsetting that you will hold an animal to the standards of human beings, where we are the, the greater of all species, human beings. So, um, horse, they have the ESPN, um, uh, what is it? The shooting one with, uh, they shoot, they shoot, yeah, hunting channel. They shoot, they shoot moose, deer that are looking, they're smiling at you. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they get pleasure of killing them, moose, deer, whatever you call those things uh, over there. And, and they're killing them by the thousands. For what? For pleasure, right? So if they want to ask me about pleasure, I got a joke here too. <coughs> when you go to Poachin's Chicken and you see that plate of honey, spicy chicken wings, right? All your family waiting to eat it, guess what? You're getting a big pleasure out of eating that chicken wings, man. So we all do it for the same reason. So you just want to single out these guys because people say it leads to uh that's where all the drug lords wash their money. That, you know, I'm just gonna be straight out here. They're saying that's where the drugs and all this and that. My friend, way after we stop fighting chickens, guess what? They're gonna still be selling drugs. 
They're still going to be coming yep. into our community. It's still going to be shipped here, brought here. <coughs> I don't care how you look at it. And then all that's going to continue, but we're going to stop fighting chickens that we've been doing for years. We got to really focus in the positive here. I think those animal rights want to write a bill or law that hampers our ways of life. Do we talk about animal cruelty and everything like that. Why don't they write a bill and give us some assistance to get all these loose dogs out of these villages to help us people? We're getting attacked by these loose people, these loose animals and everything like that. Where are these animal rights when it comes to KFC with the GMO, the genetically mutated organism, right? Why aren't they out there? They're not doing nothing, but we're still eating that stuff from KFC, right? Although I don't. But I'm just saying all these other people are trying to dictate us how we should live when we're not breaking a law to live the life that we choose to raise our family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think got to remember that issue. I mean, I, I like what something that you said earlier, Senor, that uh, in the world today, is, is this the priority? Mm -hmm. If you look at the United States government, the government is shut down. But they still had time to ban cockfighting in the territories. They, you know, they can't, they can't even run their own government sometimes, but they still want to tell the people in the territories that you can't do this because it's inhumane. And it is very interesting considering sort of what the United States, uh, what the United States does around the world in terms of uh, wars, dropping bombs, over, sending bombs overseas, but then cockfighting is the most important thing in the world right now. And so it, it, I think it's, it's important that we draw attention to this because, as I was mentioning earlier, in the United States, you know, they didn't, they didn't care about any of us when they were thinking about this. They didn't care about any of you or your livelihood. They banned it because there was animal rights groups, you know, and sometimes animal rights groups can, can take up important tasks or campaigns, but sometimes, you know, they're not necessarily thinking about the livelihoods of people or people's culture. They're, but um, they were listening to animal rights groups and they just decided, oh, you know what? We could totally pass this bill. Who cares? Who cares? We could just pass this, put it in the bill, ban it in the territories. And they didn't think anything about anyone on the island. And that's why the, the larger issue. And so even for people, because uh, some people are commenting on the video, uh, you know, saying that, that, that cockfighting should be banned and so on. But even for those people who feel that cockfighting should be banned, do you think that it should be banned without the people in the territory or the island having a say. Because if they ban cockfighting today, what could they ban next? Mm -hmm. The US has banned the speaking of the Chamorro language in the past. Does that mean that if you feel it's okay for them to ban cockfighting today, that they could ban the Chamorro language again in the future like they did before? What if they decide to come in and tell, tell us something else? What if they decide to come in and basically say that you can't fish, uh, Taladza fishing anymore? or that you can't come in and you can't plant this tree anymore. Remember, they used to not allow you to take Pugwa to the States. They could do that again, and they could basically say Pugwa causes cancer, and you know what? We're going to ban the ability to plant Pugwa or grow it, and it's going to be considered a misdemeanor if you grow Pugwa on your property. And then what? The people then will say, oh, but it's okay because the federal government knows better than us, and they know what's what they... No, this is this is larger than a discussion about the, the the cockfighting itself. It's larger, and so people who focus on it because they don't agree with cockfighting out of moral issues—that's not the point. The point is, 
no one on Guam, whether you support it or not, had got a chance to speak or have any power on this issue. So even if everyone on Guam was in favor of it, the federal government could have said no. And even if on everyone on Guam was against it, the federal government could say yes. So the problem is that the voices of the people here don't matter. And so the, that's the problem. A democracy, right? A democracy is all about the people of a place having the empowered to make decisions about what is best for themselves. They elect leaders to lead the way, to pass the laws, to, uh, to create the institutions. But then here on Guam, here on Guam, we have the federal government that can create, ban, and do whatever they want. And for the most part, we don't feel it, right? We don't notice it. But then every once in a while, the federal government may come in and say, you know what, we don't like this. And today, the federal government may ban something that some people don't care about. And that's what we're seeing, is that some people don't care about the issue because there's not cockfighting in their family, they're not connected to it. Mm -hmm. But what happens the next time the federal government decides to ban something that you like? Yeah. That's you, that is important to you. If you are a territory, you don't have a say. <coughs> yeah, like the preserves at the outside Greek flat. We can't tell all that there are no more people have been doing that all their lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say that we, 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 we're we like bad here in Guam also because we if without a military ID card or you don't work, we kind of go to the other end of our island. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? We, I mean, I kind of get into Naval Station. I used to work there. The beaches are real nice. I would like to go there on the weekend and hang out, but we can't because we're not... Federal restrictions. Yeah. Like another example too, like the Russian visa <coughs> waivers. You guys know Adam Safer, Casey? Yeah. You know that guy like put together all the savings to, to build a Russian tour guide company here and then all of a sudden no more Russian visa waivers. Mm -hmm. You know, like his whole life went into that and there it went. So we've always been second class citizens, let's put it this way. Unless that status changes and, and our, our congressman can vote, then we can be heard. You know, I hate that somebody that I didn't vote for put this bill into law. Could mm -hmm. I I didn't vote for that guy to tell me what to do in this island. I voted for Madeline Bordalio so that she can dictate what we want. Mm. And that's why I'm saying their voice should be heard. You know, like I said, we're small as far as we're concerned on this. Unless those people are heard and are respected back there, then we're still going to have this problem. I mean, we should fight for them to be heard and we should fight not to be second-class citizens, to get involved, just like any other citizen in the U.S. We have to, you know, we have to control our livelihood here. It's really bad for them to do, control this livelihood. I hate to say this, but, you know, it's going to from better to worse, and I hope it gets better on 2020. So, you know, I hope this meeting and everybody that are listening hear us and support support us in what we're trying to do. Not only as as a, a sport of cut fighting here, which is a tradition, but also to be a first class citizen, mm -hmm. not a second class. And that's why I think this. And do either of you want to respond to that? I mean, it is. It's an important reminder that political status is is our political status is tied into this. Is that, um, it's funny because- I just wanna know why their leader's quiet. It's, where are they now? 
How come they're not stepping up to the plate? We only have one representative from this the legislator coming in. Where's everybody else? Where did my vote go to? I think I can vote to that. I, I think it wasn't well spread. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We gotta organize this the right way. This, this is the beginning. I didn't even know about it, to be honest. So you can't blame them. I cannot blame any of them. Unless they knew about it and they didn't come at all. That's the thing. Well, we it's been in that. the news. We don't know it's that. It's been really. in the so, news already for quite yeah. some time that these the newly elected and no elected. I'm talking are, about this meeting. Yeah, no, I'm meeting, but I'm talking about yeah. even just being in the news itself. No disrespect, I mean, I just wish that we could hear from them since it's been in the news for quite some time. Well, now, maybe this is a start. Has anyone? With respect, I hope they hear that. Yes, sir. And I have a statement from uh, Senator T.M. Barnes ah. that I want to read out. So, um, can you pick it? Can you can pick you that up? Or? Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, cockfighting is a sport and pastime of the people of Guam. The federal farm bill includes a provision that prohibits this sport. Going into the 35th Guam legislature, I've instructed my staff and our committee to analyze any and all legal precedents and examine any recourse to this culturally insensitive provision. I want all cockfighting enthusiasts to know that their concerns have not fallen on deaf ears, and I will tireless, tirelessly advocate for you and the preservation of our cultural sport. As with any change to the norms of society, it is important to engage in dialogue and command all of you, or I, and I commend all of you we're taking our time on your Sunday and engaging in this meaningful exchange of ideas. And yeah, she sent that today. That's good. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. And so does anyone, does anyone know has, because the, the key person in this, of course, is the new congressman, uh, Congressman San Nicolas. And so does anyone know, has he gave, has he made a statement about this at all? Because I know that the governor-elect has, but he, our. I, I, I think I saw one here. Uh, I was just listening to everybody's concern, and glad Senator Barnes is looking at legislative policy to further strengthen laws and want to support our culture or national sport. And today, a lot of you weren't here earlier. Uh, one of her staff, Shiraj, which I know from Washington, D.C., actually, I met him in Washington, D.C. And we are doing background research. And uh, just for everybody's knowledge, we, we, do, we found some Supreme Court ruling that shows that if it affects our culture, uh, it could probably be unconstitutional against our culture. But there's already Supreme Court, court rulings in these that we found. The only thing we need to strengthen this uh, through legislative policy Doc, this is what I was going to ask. You mentioned it earlier in your opening statement that historically you have data that shows that cockfighting has been around probably since the Spanish time when mm -hmm. they controlled us. If we can get those through your independent groups document, oh, yes. when we come in through policy with Senator Barnes, uh, we need strategically time frames and historical data to support our culture. And maybe Shrachi can add on to that and why, why that's important. If you can add on to that. So, I think the courts have recognized that there are instances where the Constitution and even new laws from Congress seem to be contradictory to the culture's ways and means. And you know, for us to make that argument, one thing that we need is uh, evidence that it supports the culture. And you know, we all know cockfighting's been around on Guam. It's 
you guys grew up doing this. Um, so if we, we can get together and, and find evidence and make our case, you know, you all brought up good, uh, good points about uniting with other territories. So if we, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can. Somebody mentioned suing the federal government. We're, we're looking at that. We're, we're looking at all the avenues. And you know, Senator Wendy Barnes is really sorry she couldn't make it today. She's a little bit under the weather. But thank you. Thank you all for being here today. It's your Sunday. The day before New Year's, so we're, we're on the right path, and let's let's work together. Let's get some results. And thank you for your time. See you soon. And so, to the history question, uh, yes, I've been putting together uh, a presentation that. In the next week or two, I'll, I'll give it just talking about the history of cockfighting in Chamorro culture. And so one of the things that people often don't realize is that Chamorros prior to Spanish colonization already fought birds. They trained pigeons to fight. And so the Spanish noted that they would keep pigeons and that they would keep them in cages and they would train them and then they would have them fight against each other. We don't have a lot of details about what it looked like or how they would do it, but at least one account did acknowledge that Chamorros did that. And so then when Filipinos came in, they brought this sport with them and Chamorros adapted, saying, oh, we'll use those instead of the birds that they used. Um, I don't know, has anyone seen doves fight? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't trust doves, but <laughs> they, they, they look mean. <laughs> but um, but I, I'm trying to imagine what it, was, what, what it was like. So that's one of the reasons why you can show there's a, a continuity, that Chamorros already enjoyed those types of things, sport, that type of sport or hobby. And then it adapted when the Spanish came in, that the that the, the Spanish brought in a new way of doing it and so Chamorros adapted. And so throughout the Spanish period, the cockfighting, cockfighting was every, basically every Chamorro man's, uh, the highlight of every month, right? Because when you have the, the village fiesta, you, you march in the procession, you prepare the food, you pray, and then you go to the cockfight. <laughs> and so that's what everyone is excited for. Um, and in fact, uh, in fact, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of interesting cockfighting stories attached to that too, but it was integral into the culture, as many of you have shared, and as that it was, it was something that would, you'd pass down to the next generation, like you would teach them to, you know, you would teach them how your father had fished, how your grandfather had fished, you would also teach them how to take care of the birds, mm -hmm. that you would, um, and so, so you know what, I like the way that you described how uh, when you were younger, it would keep you, it would make you come home because you had to take care of the birds. And when we think about it, that's what culture is supposed to provide for a community. It gives you structure because now families, people have to work, families are stretched apart, stretched thin. And so you, a lot of times you don't know what your kids are doing. You don't know what your parents are doing. <laughs> you don't know what anyone's doing. Even though we can be in touch with each other on social media all the time, we, we, we're not connected. We don't know what we're doing. And so, but if you have that structure, then it becomes something that you pass on in the family and it becomes a way that teach responsibility. And there's many different ways to teach responsibility, right? But even from what you were saying, Senor, a child would probably learn more responsibility from, from being raised to take care of birds than they do from watching 100 YouTube videos in a day. Yep. 
And so that's why, you know, uh, for the a larger question, sort of from the colon, you know, uh, from the aside from the political status, is really that if we look at where the island has gone, so many of the things that that our grandparents and our parents thought were important, um, slowly Chamorros have set them aside. Don't practice them anymore. Don't practice them as much. And it's one thing if the family decides not to, if they don't pass it on, but it's another if the federal government comes in and tells you you can't do it anymore. And it's another if it's something where you can clearly see that it's, it's a vibrant part of the community, that in some families it's an art, for some families, it's an economic boost. It's an engine. It's something they rely on. And so to simply focus on the birds themselves and that, it, it misses the point. And I, and I say this because the, the federal government treats Guam sometimes like, so in the 1920s, a, a Chamorro congressperson from here asked some visiting senators and congressmen, they said, are we fish or are we fowl? Because at that time, Chamorros weren't U.S. citizens, had no political rights, couldn't even elect their own governor or anything like that. And so a bunch of U.S. congressmen and senators visited, and one of them stood up and said, Senator, are we fish or are we fowl? Because what are we? You're the greatest country in the world, but you treat us like this. Tell us what we are to you. The problem is that we still have that question today. Because the United States looks at Guam through, can anyone tell me which, which federal agency is in charge of the territories? The Department of Interior. And the Department of Interior is in charge of what? It's in charge of Native Americans, the territories, and it's also the buffalo, the bison, the fish, the fish and the birds in the trees. And so that's why the joke is, of course, that the people in the territories, the federal government sees you, sees us as fish and fowl that we are the equivalent of national parks, that we are the equivalent of the bison. We are, and so it makes you wonder then, because when they ban something like this, they're not thinking about people. They're thinking about the birds. And that's, that's not, a, it's not a good democracy that does that. You know one thing good about cut fighting is that when I was going to school, I didn't have to look for work. I got work when I come home to feed chicken. <laughs> That's my side job. Still <laughs> is. It's my town funny, but it keeps me out of, away from the road. So, you know, I was glad my dad did me that favor. It's a favor, really. Otherwise, I'll be out there probably doing something not, not, my, not what my dad liked. <laughs> so, guys, uh, I just hope we get successful here. You know, the word cockfighting is being misrepresented yep. big time. It ain't all about cockfighting. It's about raising these animals. I am a breeder. I love to breed the chicken. From the baby chick all the way up. When they go in a pit, that's a bonus. Of course, we want to see them win. Yeah. But uh, if they lose, that doesn't make me feel bad either. It just tries to make me better in raising a better chicken in the future. But as far as everybody's saying cockfighting, I think the people that don't understand cockfighting, number one, is the people that are against us. Because as soon as they hear the word cockfighting, we're killing chickens. Mm -hmm. But that's not, that's not the case. The case is 
We are raising these birds from babies' eggs. We put the babies together, we put the hen and rooster together, and we raise them up, and we take good care of them. Everybody knows this in this room. Yes, sir. We all spend thousands of dollars a month easy on everything that we do for the bird. And again, at the end of the day, it's uh, we want to show the bird <clears throat> about two years old or so. So I think if your viewers can understand the word, it's not just cockfighting. Mm -hmm. Although we say cockfighting a lot, we're not just cockfighting. It is a cultural thing. No, it's also another way for us to uh, get together. You know, Meaning, back, tie back to the culture, like fiesta. Yeah. What ties into fiesta? Every fiesta, there's a... That's why we're good in barbecue, right? Every, yeah, but every fiesta, there's a, cult, a cultural event of all the villagers getting together right. to, to do our sport. That's like, every fiesta I can, I can think of, there, there, there's a cockfighting event or cultural event. I don't know, like you said, cockfighting is being really misconstrued when we when we say it um, good point. so we'll just use a cultural event now from now on yeah sport but we know what we're talking about yeah but the people out there in this show or whatever we're on they really don't know what we're talking about. They're thinking we're fighting chickens every day, yeah. blood sport and all this. Yeah, sport, and but that has nothing to do with the game. Mm. This sport is deep-rooted in this island. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, my family's been doing it ever since I came to Guam. Mm. I wasn't raised here. But generations of my family's been doing it. So, and I've gotten into the sport myself, and I love it. Yeah, there. Somebody. We we don't. A lot of people think that we force these chickens to fight. Yeah, you, there's no forcing in there. There, there. That's their natural instinct. They're gonna fight either whether we like it or not. They're gonna fight. And they get the best right? Yeah, and not only that, but you know, um, the federal government. I believe they're selfish because you're just gonna yank that out. You know how many lives they're gonna affect. You know, you know how many people is gonna be affected? Tens and thousands of chickens come our way at at three to five hundred dollars a chicken. You're gonna hurt the people in the states also. Yep. You're gonna hurt our feed stores. Cause if nobody's buying chicken feed because there's no more chickens, no one can sell them or, or fight uh, you know, whatever we do with them, uh, then the feed store's gonna lose money and then, you know, we're we're all gonna go into a very big hole of Oh, because we were so dependent on it. We've been doing it for many years and you're gonna yank it straight out. Guess what? There's gonna be a lot of people put out of businesses. There's gonna be house being taken away. There's gonna be cars being repo because it was been in the daily life since day one. And you're, you're gonna really hit the people where it hurts. And the Philippines, they, they bring chickens in from the States by the thousands and you can't say that it, listen you can't say that it doesn't it it, it 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 helps in every way in every way on on our end it benefits everybody it's a billion dollar industry yeah okay so and we are just about out of time so would would either of you like to make sort of a, a closing remark here a closing statement yeah, we're both. <laughs> Go ahead, 
good. You've you've all made some very powerful points, and um, yeah, and it's important that people understand these issues because I think even to your Senor, your point back there that people think it's just sort of the fighting the fighting aspect of it. That's the only thing that's involved, but understanding that there's cultural values woven into it, economic sort of aspects to it, and and all sorts of stuff. I think that's important for people to understand. Well, I think this is the beginning. Once again, we can start telling more of our brothers and sisters out there to come out, start voicing their opinions, collaborating, everything, getting our points together, get our facts together, and start presenting it to our leaders to start getting the ball rolling now before it's too late. It's upon us. Yeah, like Mr. Ogden said and everybody, um, it is a community. It's got to be a community uh, involvement. involvement. We can't just do this alone. Everybody that is tied into it some way or one way. I know almost every household in Guam has an uncle mm -hmm. that cockfights. So there's no way you can tell me that you don't know somebody that does it. You don't have a relative that does it. So all of you guys that, that do it or your uncle, your grandpa, your, they enjoy it. I believe you should all speak up. Uh, I would like to, to one day maybe um, all get together and go down to the legislature, not to protest, but just to show them that that in general, this is a minor, majority of the people that is asking for their help and support to continue to do what we do. Or like I said, um, they, they're gonna hurt a lot of people. Um, financially and and all kinds of ways so if, if we can all get somebody a family member and uh, we can make a date and we can get together and just go down there peacefully no no uh, anger no yes. angriness no we, we can't we cannot show that we're violent people because that's what the animal activists believe <laughs> that we're violent people fighting chickens for our pleasure which is totally not some of the nicest guys in the world's cockfight. I, I mean, you go to the dome, there's very, very humble. Some of the guys, I look at them and I'm like, you cockfight? You know, the very, very low key guy. And uh, yes, I do, so. Remember, history and President George Washington, some president cockfight. Yes, I read up on that. You know, now that now that it's looking into to the ban of uh, cockfighting, I'm I'm really looking into that now. You know, with with our president, uh, the, who used to cockfight. I mean, I would have never read about that before, but now that because now is the time to act. We can't wait for that one year mark. If we don't do it now, I'm telling you guys right now. We can kiss it goodbye because they're they're gonna hammer down. And I don't yeah. want to close my generation. You know, my farm is not a is not a farm. It's a gym. That's where I do my exercise. That's why I'm for for still going on. for the record, <laughs> Mr. Chuckle, how many chickens you raise a year? I think about two hundred. Two hundred, Mr. Ogden? About one fifty. Mr. Castaneda? Three hundred. Mr. Tanya, about 200. <laughs> Mr. Camacho? Which uh, Camacho? Uh, in general, right now, uh, speakingly, I could say there's about 2,000 chickens just with a little of us in here amongst us. About 2,000 chickens. Not including uh, the outside guys. Yeah, not including, just with the, what, 20 of us in here? About two, run, we're running around 2,000 some birds that we raise and we mm. take care daily and feed like 
part of the family. Winner lose. Zeus Marcy. Hey, so uh, before you guys go, I wanted to for being guests on Fanatsu today. Wanted to give you some a shirt, extra large, large, two X, man. Okay, but, I think I have two X in the car. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get this gut. out to Capital Kitchen. Large with gut in the middle. Yeah, right there. He supports Cockfighter. So, Independence. Nice. And so, Sidzu bonito. lo bonito lo And so, um, to everyone watching. Uh, just some reminders. So on the 4th, we will be having a very special State of the Movement live stream uh, from 9 to 12 a.m. Uh, tune in. We'll be talking to a number of different guests about what happened in 2018 and what's going to happen in 2019. Um, but stay tuned, though. We will be having a teach-in on cockfighting and Chamorro history uh, in the next week or two. The flyer will be going out soon. And so... Just want to say thanks again for everyone who was watching us in 2018, and we hope a lot more of you will be, will be watching us in 2019. And then let's all give everyone who showed up surprise podcast with the full house here. Uh, let's give yourselves a round of applause. Uh, just, Inflation Yeah.